Hi, welcome to this episode of the Baby Developer Show podcast. My name is Nathaniel Okenwa and I will be your host. Before we start, I'd like to shout out Twilio TV for supporting this episode. Twilio TV delivers video content that developers can engage with both live and on demand. I'd like to shout out one of the Twilio TV shows that I'm really excited about, Twilio Unplugged. It is a series dedicated to providing useful tools for those who are aiming to find employment. On the 28th of May, they will host a discussion with a few of Twilio's own employees who have been on both sides of the interview process as the interviewer and the interviewee. To find out more, check out the link in the description. Today's guest is an amazing inspiration, especially for black women getting into tech. Jennifer Opal is a software engineer at BT and is a very passionate tech and inclusion advocate. She shares her experiences navigating learning difficulties, networking and building up a profile online. I hope you enjoy it. Jennifer, tell me all about how you got into tech. Now, I know you've probably said this story so many times, like 10 times over. Because I was doing a bit of research beforehand to look into uh, into your background, and like I'd seen so many places you told us. So, in like the shortest, or if you want to give us the long the long episode, that's fine. But tell us how you got into tech. Yeah. So, hey everyone. I didn't even say hi. I'm so rude. That's very very not nice. <laughs> but hi everyone. Um, thanks so much again for having me. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah. So I got into tech about. Well, I got my first intro to code in 2017 um, through Code First Girls. And at the time I was at university, I was studying business and French language. And I got onto that call. I know it's mad random. Yeah, I was going to say, like, business. <laughs> so you can, like, um, I know this is probably tired, but you can fully, people ask you all this, this all the time, but you can fully speak French, right? No, je n'ai pas le français, non. Ah, okay. All right, all right. See, here's the thing. <laughs> I can't speak any languages other than JavaScript, and I struggle with that one, so I'm just here with English. <laughs> okay. No, I don't speak French. Um, like, my French isn't that great. I speak Lingala, like, um, which is like a French dialect, but um, French itself, nah. Okay. So, you're <laughs> doing, so you're doing business in French, and then what changed? It was... To be honest with you, the reason why I went on to that degree was to find what I wanted to do, which is probably the wrong way of going to uni. Like you go to uni knowing what you want to do. And I went the complete reverse way. And I was um, pursuing a career as a psychodynamic therapist before that. So I was working with young offenders. I was working with disadvantaged children. And I just, I got an offer from Goldsmiths to study counselling. I just turned that down because as much as I loved working with young adults, it just wasn't fulfilling me. So I just went to uni and just did what loads of people can know they're easy going to get onto. And I just chose business because I knew I was going to get onto that. Everyone gets onto business. Can I just so correct I, you there? You said the yes. wrong way. And I agree with all the people giving you heat in the chat. Like shout out to girl.dev, shout out to, to Corey. There is absolutely no wrong way. All right. <laughs> But you went and you you had an offer to do counselling at Goldsmiths. Wait, let me tell you why that's crazy. I went to university at Goldsmiths. <laughs> so, I mean, really? all, almost paths, almost crossed. But anyway, after got, you turned that down, and where did you go to next? Yeah. I went to Birkbeck, and I um, did a, started a degree in business and French language. And then 
during my second year is when Code First Girls came to my university and were offering places on a front-end web development course, which is like two hours a week for eight weeks. And I got onto the course and it was my first time coding. And to be honest, I'd never really heard of coding before, but that was around a time where everyone was talking about it and it was in the news. It was like, oh, we need more people in tech, all that stuff. That was the only time I really knew about it, but like... I didn't know much about what it actually was. Um, but yeah, I got into the course. I absolutely fell in love with it. And me and the person I was working with um, won the best project for that course and got a little £10 Amazon voucher. Was all rich. <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, you can officially say like, that's the first time you got paid for a project you did, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It was, you know, it really gave me a confidence boost day because it was like wow like if I can really build something with a skill I've never done before in eight weeks you know 16 hours who knows what else I can possibly do and I tried to learn on my own but I really struggled and I just ended up in a situation where I stopped learning to code on my own because I realized that there was something not right in my reading and my writing was starting to deteriorate. Like I couldn't write properly in a straight line. I couldn't, um, I, when I was reading, like you can read like a sentence saying, like even like stream loading starting soon. That's what I'm seeing here. But I'll probably read it as soon stream loading starting. Like it was just all oh, over okay. the place. Yeah. And um, in March, 2018, that's when I was diagnosed with dyslexia and attention deficit disorder and dyspraxia. Um, and then fast forward to the end of 2018, I got onto a program with BT and Code First Girls and they were offering a free car free course, um, for women and non-binaries to learn how to code for free. And I got into that program four months later, I finished it, got a software, a junior software engineer role and they offered me a job, but then I was in an ultimatum because I was still at uni at the time. <laughs> so what you. were you studying at uni business? So you're studying business and French? Yeah, so I had to decide whether to drop out of university and um, take this job or to say no to the job and continue my degree. And I was in my final year by the by this time. So, But I think you already know what I decided to do. <laughs> so someone in the chat just wrote, Corey wrote, take the money, take the money, and then, and then corrects <laughs> themselves saying, I mean the experience, take the experience. Yes, yes, you take the experience over. Yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, so what was your first day? Describe your first day. It was really like, I don't know like my first day was I didn't know what to expect I was kind of expecting um to kind of get thrown in like all right you've done a program do something build something I didn't really know what to expect but I was just installing stuff all day and then things wasn't working and then getting access to stuff it took me ages honestly <laughs> it was I can relate <laughs> so hard so I got um a loaner machine to replace my broken laptop and today I went, no, yesterday I wanted to sit down and write some code and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I know exactly how I'm going to build this. This should only take two, three hours. Sat down and I promise you the amount of time that would have taken me to code it was the amount of time I needed to set up my development environment for my old laptop. It was like, ah, oh. 
but no, no i definitely get what you mean i definitely get what you mean i want to go back to when you were back at the um coding boot camp one of the things you said that you really loved was the ability to create something out of nothing and i can really that echoes my sentiment and i think it's one of the biggest things that gets people hooked into programming is this ability mm. to create something so what has been one of the most favorite or most memorable or maybe as a special place in your heart things that you have built Oh my gosh, Do you know what, straight away, um, we did a rock, paper, scissors game on the program okay. and I decided to give it a theme for Bumblebee from Transformers. Awesome. I was so gassed. I was so proud of myself. And I showed my mom and my mom being the Congolese woman that she was, she's like, ah, okay, <laughs> okay. That's it. It's that boom. I built this. She's like, okay. Where's the excitement? Yeah, okay. no, I get you. <laughs> so, what was it like yeah. when you said, Mom, I'm going to drop out of uni to do, take this job? What was her reaction? And what was the reaction of those people around you? It's not like my. I know that a lot of African families would probably be like my mum or my parents would throw a fit if I ever dropped out of uni or even like just any any family where they value education if they if you were to tell them mom dad sit down I'm dropping out of uni they will literally tie you down but my mom wasn't like that she really wasn't I think for me she really wanted us to be sure that we were doing something we were passionate about and if we're going to do something mad there's something at the end of it. There's there's money, there's a job, there's salary at the end of it. And if you've got that, then you're good. And when I made the decision to leave um, uni and I got accepted for the job, my mom was over the moon. She was incredibly proud. Like she told everybody, oh, my daughter, she's engineer now. She works at beauty. That's what she does. She works at beauty. And I'm like, mom, there's loads of different types of engineers and she didn't really understand what a software engineer was, but she was proud. So I got, I got, I got the positive, a positive reaction. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> when you were when you were saying that, so I know one thing which is very interesting is that everyone comes from such different backgrounds. But when you were describing mm -hmm. the way an African African parents would react to um, their child dropping out of uni, I am an African child who dropped out of uni. <laughs> So, as you describe, yeah, I'm in the club. I'm in the club of, of African university dropouts. But I think what's what's amazing, though, is realizing that there is so much more. And, like, don't get me wrong. I still think uni is great, but there's more to learning than just university. And there's so much that is greater than just what you do in your course or what you do and what you get on a certificate. It's being able to take these skills and create things. Um, so I definitely yeah. get that. All right, so you got into tech and is this the job that you're still at now, the job that you started? I'm still at the same company. So when I got my role as a junior software engineer, I was working in test automation. And then we then moved, well, I got bored basically. I wasn't really excited about it. And then in January, I started a job role as a DevOps engineer um, with the big data team at BT. So that's what I'm doing now. So I've been doing that for five months and what? still have no idea what's going on. <laughs> what, drew you to, what drew you to switch to that from sort of web dev? I'm a web developer, so 
when you talked about web dev, I was like, yeah. Then we started talking about DevOps and I was like, oh. So, but what made <laughs> you, what, what inspired you to make that switch? You know, I was just really fascinated by it. Um, when I took that job role, I I requested to be um, to put myself forward for that job role because basically we were given a list of like available vacancies in different parts of the UK, and we were allowed to select the jobs that we wanted to interview for. So. I selected that job role in Belfast particularly just because we were using Python. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with code. I didn't know if I wanted to do the front end or the back end. So I thought to myself, let me take a role where I'm using a programming language that I've already got some confidence in from learning it on the program. And I would just take this opportunity to just learn and develop myself and then explore after that and see what else is going to come after that. Um, so when I did the test automation, when I joined the test, the test automation team, I was in the team for about five to six months. And then I was like, nah. And then I got an opportunity to shadow the big data team. And I just loved what they were doing. Like I, I was really fascinated by it. And I was like, I, I want to learn this. I really, really want to know how you guys are doing this. How are you guys using the cloud? How are you using Haas? How are you using big data? Um, I want th that skill set. Um, so yeah, so I started learning Scala on my own and um, learning about um, HQL and Haas and Hadoop on my own. And yeah, that was enough for them to say, do you know what? You've taken the initiative to learn by yourself. Let's give you a try. And I'm like, we thank God. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. What's, what would you say is the biggest difference or whether they are the, exactly the same, learning coding from scratch and then learning a new role as a coder? So, because I mean, is it different when you're learning just to code from scratch and then now as you're doing so many different things specifically in the world of DevOps? I think like... For me, learning learning to code from scratch, well, let me compare it to the program that I was on. When you're learning to code in an environment like that, they're, they're, they're trying to teach us in a way of applying what we're learning. So you're learning about functions and you build something where you're, where you're using functions and classes, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're learning on the job, you're learning I don't know how to explain it. Like, I just kind of feel like it's a whole copy and paste type of situation. <laughs> like, that's what I feel like I'm doing. I'm like, you lot are paying me to copy and paste. All right, that's cool. Like, I'll take the check. I ain't going to complain. But it's like there's specific um, lines of code all the time. I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel like we're doing the same thing almost, but we're just adjusting different bits here and there. I feel like I learned a lot on the coding program in terms of like different areas of code, different areas of code and learning about it. But within the team, it was a bit, I don't know how to explain that question. Like I'm really struggling. Like, no, that's fair enough. Like ADD kicking in. Sorry guys. No, <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> I think one of the big things though, is one of the things that I noticed is when I first started, I didn't know how to learn about code, right? So my mm. first, I always like to say that my first three months at uni, I learned from lecturers. And then after that, I learned from Google because they taught mm. me enough that I could actually go and Google stuff myself and then Stack Overflow books and everything else started to come in. So 
What's your learning style? What do you think, what is your preferred way of learning? See, my learning style, I had to, I always thought that I learned in a particular type of way where I'm doing something for half a day and doing something for another half a day. I mean, that's what I thought it was. But then as I started to really delve in, I realized that I have to remember, because I sometimes forget that I have learning difficulties and I have to take that into account when I'm trying to think about how I learn. So the struggle that I have with ADD is that I can't focus non-stop. Like if you can sit for an hour and learn something, that's good for you. I can't sit for like 20 minutes and do it. I have to find something else to keep my mind occupied. So the the, prob- the thing about with ADD is that your mind is constantly curious. Like you're doing something like, we want something different. We want something different. That That is going on all the time. And so what I tend to do is I will concentrate on something for about 20 to 25 minutes. Then I'll take a break. Then I'll concentrate on something else. Then I'll take a break. So I try and switch Pomodoro. between. Yeah, the yes. Pomodoro technique. Yeah, so I use that to help me absorb the information that I'm doing and also to keep my mind occupied because I'm very fidgety, I can't sit still. I like my you've already seen my thoughts get jumbled as well. So I have to try and keep my mind constantly interested. And if you see my tweets, I've gone from talking about robotics to talking about data to talking about self-driving cars. I'm like, I wanna do this, I wanna do this. That's literally just how my mind is. And I don't, probably don't want to do robotics, but when my mind sees something new and suddenly I'm just like, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, I have to try, the Pomodoro technique works works for me. It's not for everybody, but it, it works for me. <laughs> oh no, definitely. But I know some people like books. I'm not a book, okay, I am a books person, but I don't like learning a book when I'm starting the language. I like building stuff myself. And then when I get a basic understanding, having books that I can go through and teach me something deeper right but now so going back so you've you've like had to adapt to your um your add and and dyslexia now has it been something that you've you had you has it some been something that you worked out how to adapt to your whole life or was it was there a process in which you realized oh it's better for me to approach things in x way to get the most out of this learning experience Well, for me, I was diagnosed as an adult. So I kind of realized that when I went through the testing and before I got the diagnosis from the um, educational psychologist, they, I realized a lot of the patterns were things I've always had since I was a child, but were not really, I don't really feel like a lot of teachers back then, even parents were educated on how to diagnose dyslexia and learning difficulties and I was always described as a confident, um, active child, not knowing that my mind is going absolutely nuts, boy. Like, <laughs> and it's like, and then I'm reading. The thing is, like, I didn't know if there was a normal way to read. So I used to love reading as a kid, but I don't remember any of the books that I read. So I remember the covers and stuff, and I would read through it, read through it. Like, I even read that big Harry Potter Goblet of Fire that big one when it first came out do you remember that yeah oh my gosh everyone was so gassed i went straight to the library i got it and i read it after the i have no recollection of what i read but i told my teacher i read it because i did but i just don't remember what i absorbed but um 
oh my days my head's gone blank can you remind uh, me the question so, so <laughs> the, i'm trying to remember the question myself <laughs> but the question was the question was was there a process at which you like where you realized okay i realized that x doesn't work for me but y does work for me uh, and after you got diagnosed maybe was there a moment when you're like oh okay this is what's happening and this is what i can do to learn in my style it, it didn't happen straight away for sure um the psychologist thankfully gave a lot of suggestions of some of the things that um i could use and some of the strategies i could use but the pomodoro technique was the popular one but I just found it really weird to like set a timer for 25 minutes all the time. So I just kind of started to look into what I enjoy, trying to analyze myself and my own behaviors. So I tried concentrating for like an hour, turning off social media. But what's so strange is that for me, when I'm concentrating or when I'm doing something, I have to be fiddling with something or even just like multitasking. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I can't, like, I can't keep still and listen to what you're saying, which is probably really bad. But, like, it's just the way that I learn. Like, I can't just sit there and keep still. But um, I had to just trial different things to figure it out for myself and create a strategy for myself. So it's only now, it's been, like, two years since my diagnosis. I'm only now starting to get back into reading again. So I haven't read a single book since I was diagnosed. I I know, I haven't read a single book. So I know as a programmer, like you have all these books that you should read to develop your skills, like all that stuff. But I had to resort to like, I can't, so someone can read a book about Python. I, there's no way I could sit there. So I would just get, find a YouTube video that's for like less than five minutes to condense all that information because yeah. that's easy for me to take in. I cannot sit there and just textbook read everything. And then for me as well is that I can't read black and white either. So I have to use an orange filter and I was tested for that in London for the colors that I react to better. So that helps me reading, but I, it's, it's really overwhelming reading for me. I do find it really hard. So I'm only now starting to find a way to read and take my time reading and then be able to kind of repeat back to myself what it is I just read so I can absorb it. Nice. Like for me, for example, I, I don't necessarily do a lot of reading. I So I look at my, I have some coding books. I, I disagree with people who go, oh, every single programmer needs to read like this particular book. Mm. I'm not saying that what the content of the book isn't good. I just think that not everyone works best just from reading so for example me i work best by doing like i learn best by doing so i yeah. learn best by seeing this is a mini project that i can build and then building it out in a different technology so but i think what's important is just being able to take away like the way you learn and apply it to whatever is works for you so i'm gonna like kind of switch topics because we focused on mostly your career and like growing in your career but I think what a lot of people forget, especially when they start out, is that your career is more than just your job. And you're a brilliant example of someone who does so much stuff outside of just their day job. So, all right, I know some of them, but I don't want to leave anything out. So if you could tell me what your side projects are, let's list them out. How many side projects you got going on at this moment? I know I already know a few, but I'm worried I'm going to leave one out. So tell me any other side projects you have. 
Okay, so blogger, YouTuber, uh, speaker. Um, oh my gosh, what else? <laughs> wow. It's so much stuff. So you got blogger, speaker, YouTuber, so many, and like all of these things that you do, how do you manage your time to be able to find time to do all of them as well as doing your day job? I don't know. <laughs> classic all right i don't know do you know what for me it's like i i i just enjoy what i'm doing like, I, I i don't really see it as a job a lot of the things that i do i mostly do it for free apart from speaking most of the time i get paid for it but when it comes to like blogging and going on youtube and all that that's just my own time but i see it more as a hobby because the reason why I started um, blogging on Instagram particularly, that's where I started off, it was simply because I was about to start a coding program and I couldn't find anyone that looked like me that was sharing their experience or what to expect. So I was just like, okay, let me start sharing what it is I'm doing and people can kind of see what it'd be like to be on a coding program slash coding bootcamp even. And I, I, I didn't expect it to get to this point like it's only been i've been my i started my tech job in march last year so within a year like just over a year i wasn't expecting to have people like contact me and i'm calling me an inspiration i'm like i'm from i'm from ealing i don't <laughs> understand how that how this happened but you know what like i i i'm thankful it's a blessing but i just I just do it because I'm passionate about it. Like I didn't expect it to happen, but I just love it. I see it as a hobby. I don't really see it as a job. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally vibe with that. All right. So I've got a, a few questions. So yeah. firstly, where can we find all of this stuff? So YouTube, what's the name of your YouTube channel? Jennifer Opal. Jennifer Opal on YouTube. And what's your blog site? Um, JenniferOpal.co jenniferopal.co and i can see it's quite consistent here and, uh -huh. and also on instagram <laughs> i guess it's jennifer opal yeah on well. instagram and twitter is underscore jennifer opal that's my username definitely check her out on all of these i've been watching quite a few of her youtube videos and they're really good i like the way you i like your style as well the way you make it so laid back like there was one where you're doing your makeup while answering tech questions that's like <laughs> pretty cool all right so uh, another question so when did you start speaking and how did you get into like speaking so the first time i started speaking it was last year so it was around june last year where um i was contacted by coding black females um you'll probably be able to find my talk on youtube as well because it's on their youtube channel it was the first time i'd spoken and that i did for free i've never spoken before um but they just contacted me the founder charlene um hunter contacted me and just asked me hey like i've been seeing what you've been doing i'd love for you to come and speak at one of our events and at the time i was in london for a course for the elito program which is a leadership course and um I went up and I just spoke. And the thing is, I didn't see it as like a, I didn't speak professionally. And if you watch the YouTube video, you'll see, like I was just being my absolute self, throwing shade and all that stuff. But I kept throwing it Throwing shade. <laughs> <laughs> kept it for the culture. 
had to do it for the culture. Like, I just kept it real, you know? Like, I feel like it's important to do that. If someone asks you to speak and they want to hear your story, be real about your story. Um, and that's exactly what I, I did. And that was the starting point of it all. Um, and then, yeah, then slowly after that came out, then I get, like, the little LinkedIn messages here and there. Can you speak here virtually? Can you speak here? And I then got to a point where it's like, I'm going to stop working for free. And I know, like, especially amongst people of colour or those that are new to tech, working for free seems to be a bit of a common thing when it comes to side hustles. But I managed to get a really incredible mentor, two incredible mentors in my journey. And they were like, stop doing things for free. Unless they're, unless they're a non-profit or they're a charity, don't speak for free. And I don't. So, yeah. <laughs> so no, I definitely, I definitely get that because I think there's, there's so many like av- so many things that I want to ask about this. But one thing which I definitely want to highlight is the importance of not not doing things for free. I think it's realizing that you, everything you do has value. And I think something exactly. uh, that especially those of us who maybe do not come from uh, a background where generations ahead of us have already gone through these things and we're kind mm-hmm. of paving the way um we often don't realize that these are things that we should this is still value that we are creating for someone else and yes not necessarily every conference is free uh, every mm-hmm. conference will pay you a lot of money but definitely knowing that you your time has monetary value um, and making sure that you get what you deserve is super important what is it like um when you tell people that you charge do people are people good with that do some people back away here's the thing for me it's like it always starts really nice and friendly oh i love your story i saw you on this and saw you on that i'm like thank you and then they'll say we'd love for you to speak at this event and i say what's your speaker budget we don't have a speaker budget i don't speak for free that's it but I say it in a very nice corporate way. Like, I'm not yeah. going to give attitude like I'm from the West, West London. Do you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I'm going to cut you off there because I can sometimes, <laughs> my South East London comes out. Like, I've, I've noticed there's been a few times in tech, like, I don't deliberately do it. But I have two voices. I, I'm not doing it deliberately. I promise. But I have two voices. And sometimes when I'm very passionate about something, I switch to my southeast london voice but definitely don't don't like underestimate the west london thing but yeah doing it politely and explaining uh that this is why it i think is is something super useful like what i'll say is that most of the time like in terms of the question that was asked they you know it either ends in a way where they're like oh, okay, I completely understand that. Um, We'll bear that in mind for next time. Because you never know, you know, as you are um, building and growing, you have no idea. You you may have your own goals where you want to be in five years, three years, but you're going to want to have that person keep you in mind and that person will still be on your LinkedIn. You're not going to block them. They're still going to be on your LinkedIn. They're still going to be following you on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it might be. So that relationship still needs to be nurtured. And if they see more companies are hiring you and charging you, then you can also, they can also be like, hey, we have a speaker budget. Could you come and speak? Like they'll want to utilize your platform in order to help them. Mm. So that's why I always try and end it in a way that's professional and friendly and just say, I, I, I appreciate you 
getting in touch and asking me to speak but unfortunately I do charge for my services and this is my fee um but if you'd like to get in touch with me in the future um do let me know but and we just end it like that I've had other people just blank me and that's fine you know I won't forget (laughs) (laughs) sorry that look I just loved it (laughs) all right slight transition let's go back you spoke about the mentors that you have how did you meet those mentors and how did you build up a relationship with them so the first mentor that i have um i haven't he doesn't actually know that i'm doing this so i'm not going to disclose his name but he is a director um for a telecommunications company in the uk and i met him on the alito leadership program last year was it last year yeah it was last year um and for those who don't know the the alito leadership program is a program predominantly catered to people of color but anyone can apply a majority of students or graduates and you can basically just improve your leadership skills is for those that believe that they have leadership potential some people are recommended to be on the course others can actually apply online um i should get a website as well and send it to you because i'm going to be one of the mentors for the program this year my keys are going i'm I'm finding that website now i'm going to post it in the (laughs) chat what was it elito the elito leadership program so that's a l e t o so we're going to be doing that program virtually this year and it's an intensive four-day program and i absolutely loved it literally literally gave me such confidence and definitely helped me to get here so yeah um so i met him on the program last year and he reached out to me after the program was over and was like i really would love to be your mentor and i'm like okay wow he reached out to you dang yeah he reached out to me he was really he was like i'm really impressed with your work and your growth and um i really see the potential in you and would love to work with you love to be a mentor and he still is my mentor he's an amazing person and the second person that's my mentor is a woman um who works in the tech industry and i'm not gonna i don't know i haven't told her about this either (laughs) yeah that's fine you don't have to say their names and then (laughs) But she's an incredible, incredible woman. And she's been working in tech for, I think it's now 13 years. And she does a lot in tech. And she's also a black woman. And I, um, you know, speak to her here and there. And in my head, I always say, like, I remember being interviewed once. I'm like, I have a mentor. She doesn't know that she's my mentor, but she's my mentor. (laughs) Oh, wait, she doesn't know that she's your mentor. She doesn't know. She didn't know at the time. Oh, she knows now. Okay. Yeah. And then I spoke to her when we had our last um, last session or call and she was like, I heard that interview, I heard you say that I knew you were talking about me, but I see you as a mentee already, so don't worry about it. So I'm like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> Go.dev says that's the best kind of mentor. That's awesome. Yeah, like you, sometimes I know like some people, like lots of people ask me to be their mentors and it's like, oh, I, I can't because it's like, I'm at this because I'm so the thing is for me is that I really want to be able to dedicate I want to be able to help as much as I can and I want to just like with my mentors they give me their time and their commitment I want to be able to do that for my mentees so loads of people ask me and I'm honored that they ask me but there's just some things like I just can't do so I remember someone asking me bless their heart they asked me to help them to be a mentor for them so they can become a um 
they want to get um, into um, solutions architecture or data art- architecture or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Here I am, little old me. I'm eight months into my career. Do I know what that is? And it's just like, bless you. Like, I appreciate you asking me, but I don't know how I can offer that. Um, but it's good that people ask, but I also feel like building authentic friendships and relationships that with someone that you want to be your mentor is much better than just asking them straight up, like be my mentor, let's, let's meet up once a week. Like make it a friendship, like keep it cool. But yeah, that's how I see it. <laughs> so now my next question is gonna be like, what's the difference in your opinion between like a mentor and somebody who, uh, like I read it in a book, like a competitive ally. So someone who works in the same industry and you're friends and you support each other, but not necessarily your mentor. Hmm. Like, where would you say mentor begins and, like, supportive friend ends? That's a tough one, because I don't know, because I I kind of, I would say, like, I have more of a friendship and mentorship with one of my mentors and more of a professional relationship and a slight friendship with one of my other mentors. So it's kind of like a cross between both for both okay. of them. So I do drop them, like, for example, I'll drop them text being like, hey, how you doing? How's lockdown life? And then with my other mentor, I know that with one of them, they probably wouldn't, they probably won't be really cool when we send them voice notes. And then the other one, when I got my energy, they'll be like, hi, how are you? And they hear that voice note, they, they know me. So, and they, they're cool with that. So I, I kind of feel them both out, but I feel like with my mentors, I have a cross between both, but I know them well enough to know what lines I can't cross. And I know that when it comes to the professional side of things, keep it professional, you know, mm. like don't be swearing like a chimney. Don't be like gossiping about one of your girls or your guys or what happened to your auntie the other day. Keep it cool. Keep it sweet. You know? <laughs> so how would you suggest, what would you suggest is the best way that you can be a mentee? What's the best way to be a mentee? Or what's like a good tips to be a good mentee, not just finding a good mentor? I would say invest in the relationship because understand that, yeah, this person is your mentor, but this mentor is also a person. And I like, even I, I do check in on my mentors. Like I'll, I'll send them a text here and there or um, send them a tweet or reply to their DM or whatever. Like you have to invest in that. You have to look at it as a relationship, as a friendship as well. Understand that you are trying, you're gaining from them, but they also want to gain from you. And they also want to know that you care. It's like having, um, it's like having like, say that you're a godparent, but you're only a godparent on a part-time basis. Like you can't be going up to your godparent saying, hey godparent, you're my godparent, where's my pocket money? Like you owe me 20 pounds, like where's my 20 pounds for me to buy some sweets and stuff. You have to invest in that relationship. They are also a person you have to be able to be like, hey, how are you doing? Call in, check in on them. But you have to give that. Like you can't expect it to be one-sided. The whole point of a relationship is both ways. It's not just one way. So yeah, invest time in, in checking in on them for sure. Yeah, I think something that's very important, I guess, across all the industries is realizing that with this like professional network that you build, you have to invest and you can't just take from the network. You do Mm. need to give, you need to put back in. And I think oftentimes when you see people who are only taking, you you realize people begin to know them and everyone stays away from them. But what you want to be doing is constantly giving back. 
uh, I, yeah. I listened to this amazing talk about community and they said you need to give first before you start just grabbing whatever you can so yeah I definitely feel you on that so when you decide I'm gonna start an Instagram I'm gonna start a YouTube I'm gonna start a blog like how does it feel to get started how do you sort of get off the couch and actually do it I think it's crazy because like for example the YouTube channel I sent out a tweet like last year that I was gonna do it it was my 2019 goal and I managed to do it on the 27th or the 28th of December so I just made it just made it but it took a whole year to get there YouTube is scary like I don't I don't like YouTube is scary for me it is but I was really nervous because for me it's like number one I'm still new I'm still learning I'm still trying to find myself and yes I'm in DevOps but will I be in DevOps forever who knows and I still I'm still trying to learn more about all these technologies and I'm putting myself out there to kind of say hey I became a software engineer without a degree I have these learning difficulties um I want to share that so you guys can see that it's possible. Um, but then you get the trolls coming in. Oh, you're not a you're not a software engineer. What are you talking about? It's just like, but I am though. My checks say. <laughs> but my checks say, lol, you joke. I know it's like one of the sort of bad things about sometimes the tech industry is the fact that trolling is a big thing and 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 it's. It sucks that so many engineers and people that I would have looked up to then show trollish behavior. But what's it been like for you? How do you sort of handle trolls? Have you, like, what's been your experience in that field? The thing is, like, at first, I would say, like, on YouTube, that's when it started to get worse, I think, for me. Like, on YouTube, um, once I started that channel, like, my, my approach, the way that I was raised, with my mom is to, to, to always like kill with kindness, to never be disrespectful to other people. And you never know what they're going through. And sometimes some trolls, majority of them, they're going through something or they're looking for some kind of attention or void to fill. It sounds, it sounds kind of mad, but I just kind of see it in the way where whatever it is that they're going through in their life, they're, they're trying to find a way to vent it. Um, and they just decided to pick me. Um, but I used to respond to them um so in my first video i don't know if, if you go into the comments you'll see where someone was saying that i wasn't a software engineer i'm a web developer and i replied and said no I, i'm not a web developer like ask me to build a website it'll come out looking like ah, let's not talk about it <laughs> it'll come out bad like i'll be fired day one but um i now stop replying to them Mm. Um, I focus on the positive things. As, as as human beings, I think we always focus on the negative side of things. We yeah, focus definitely. on the criticisms. We, we just instantly draw to that. But I've I've had to consciously be like, focus on all the positive. Focus on the the love that I'm receiving, the messages that you're receiving. If people asking you for advice, that like people are reaching out to you because you they're looking up to you. Um, and that's what I focus on. That's what keeps me going. And yes i don't know everything and i always say that i don't know everything um because i have to be clear because a lot of people ask me questions that i don't know the answer to and i just genuinely don't like some people think i'm stack overflow out here and i'm like i i i, I appreciate the compliment but nah <laughs> stack overflow is over there it's not it's not me i use it too <laughs> no totally i get that so 
I think I think it's also very interesting because there's a lot of times people assume, especially if you're like a sort of public figure, that oh this person has it all locked and loaded and has it all just like down. And I think it's important to remember that even those people we see and we often put on a pedestal in our heads, they're people too. Not underestimating, I'm not undermining all the amazing, awesome stuff that they do, but they go through a lot of struggles similar to to everyone else. And and having that understanding, uh, and even when you ask, if they say I don't know, doesn't mean any less of them. Like just being yeah. able to have people say that. So so another thing that I wanted to ask is when you started writing your blog, did you have any idea of what particular content you wanted to like put out there on your blog, on your YouTube, on your Instagram and all of them? Was there anything that was sort of central to your mind and what you wanted to share? I think the most important thing that I wanted to do was share my story. And I also want to share my experience. I think that as, as a black woman, and I would say even for people of color as well, they don't really feel that they can share their experience because they're worried about what people will think. Or I've had some people say, well, not, not like privately say to me that I, I can relate to your story, but I can't share it within where I work because I'm, I'm worried that I'm gonna lose my job for it or I'm worried that people will judge me or I'll start getting special treatment or whatever it is. And I'm just like, there's a lot of people going through what I'm going through. So I, I, I make sure that I'm intentional to share the black experience and to share my experience of not just being black, but also having learning difficulties and how a struggle that is um, being a junior. It's not something that people talk about and mm. I feel like it needs to be spoken about yeah definitely and maybe like you know it probably won't relate to a lot of people and I totally get it but it also help people to understand the mind of an individual um it might help them understand why for example someone with um ADD or ADHD might lose track of time when they're doing their tasks or someone that has to lead a stand-up is struggling to read a JIRA board or um, so many numerous number of reasons or why they're, why they're so quiet in the office space. It might just be because there's no one that looks like them. They're feeling quite isolated. And I feel like people need to kind of understand, have an understanding of the mind of that person. So it's a learning experience for others. It's, it's almost like therapy for me that I can just kind of put it out there. I really enjoy putting it out there. I was worried at, at, at the beginning, but I'm thankful that, you know, my experience helped to educate and also helped um, my team or in even in um, my former team or the company to understand the challenges that we go through. And when I shared my experience the first time, I was only in BT for like, what, three weeks? And I shared that I'm, I feel alone in a building of 600 people. I'm the only black person. Why is that? You know, and it, it took them by surprise because no one has said it. No one said it. No one ever came to them and said, this is how I feel. And they said like, this is this is a really eye-opening experience for me and we want to put some work in to make things better. But how would they have known if no one had shared their experience? People have to be okay to share that. But I also said to them that we have to allow that space to be allowed. You know, you can't, you can't say why have no one said it you have to ask yourself why did no one feel comfortable to say it yeah 
that's the thing that's, it's about the culture it that's is such a that's such a good point that you've raised like not not just why did no one say it but why did no one feel comfortable enough to say it and mm. like for example i it's very interesting when you come into the space and you realize i think i can definitely vibe with you on the whole thing of not seeing people who look like you um, mm. and being like don't get me wrong there is certain times when there are certain experiences that you only share with certain type certain groups of people and it's nice to be able to have those groups of people around you and i i kind of want to ask because like one thing i get very frustrated about when i see this online is a lot of companies lately they see diversity and inclusion as a marketing exercise like for them it's it's marketing they're like we want to look good therefore we will say we have this percentage of black people or we believe in diversity and inclusion and we want everyone what would you say you would like in, in your dream world if you were consulting for a company and they were paying you good money for consulting um, <laughs> and you were trying to help them become more inclusive to grow a diverse team what advice what do you think companies should do in order to create a more open environment for people from minorities i think the first thing i would say is they have to be open to acknowledging the lack of people of color and they also have to break that down though don't just put us all in a box you know don't just use the term BAME and think that, oh, because it's like 50% BAME, then we're all good, everyone's happy, we're a great company. I think also, <clears throat> there's a quote that I use um, a lot that I absolutely love. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bazama St. John. No. She, she was the former head of diversity for Uber. I think she quit after like a month because it was like a, it was a mess over there still. But anyway, <laughs> I will let you research that. Hold on, let me get the tea. Whole situation. <laughs> Keep going. It's a hot mess over there, but no, nah, you have to research that story because it's long. It was actually crazy. But um, I think a lot of the things that she wanted to do, they weren't allowing her to do it to sum it up. But there's a lot more detail to it. Um, but I'll let you guys research her. Um, something that she said was. Diversity is being invited to the party and inclusion is being asked to dance. I knew this quote. I did I did I didn't know she said it. Now I'm gonna go that yeah. her up. I love that quote. Yeah, she said it and that's what I feel like a lot of companies are failing to understand is that they're using diversity and inclusion, but the inclusion part isn't there. So you're inviting people, you know, you're doing the blind interviews, you're um trying to be mindful of em employing people of colour or employing people from um, particular areas of the UK or particular countries, but you're not inviting them into a space where they can actually be vocal and share their expertise or um, share their experience or give their input on particular things. Um, and that's the issue. So a lot of the time within tech, people of colour I don't remember the exact statistic, but I remember reading some of the people of colour are more likely to leave the tech industry within three to five years than their white counterpart. And I'm going to try and find that because I don't remember where I read it and it'd be wrong for me to just have it out there and not find out where it was from. But I'll try and dig and find it. But I just kind of feel that, especially when it comes to career elevation, we, we have to make sure that we're mindful but we also need people that are not like people of color to also 
be able to speak on that as well like ask that question why does your office not look like modern society why does a team building a product that could have an impact and be used by people all over the world why does the team not reflect the cultures and ethnicities why do you not have those experiences and mindsets in the product that you're building and you have to bear that in mind because you might be building something and not realize that it could have a negative impact on another community but you have to try and have as diverse mindsets as possible diversity is not just about representation in the workplace it's about representation on the things that we're building tech is changing every day and it's innovating every day but we have to make sure that we're including people that look like me that look like i don't know people like people that are asian like you have to you have to include that in there so i say i i would just say to go back to the question invite them to speak and train your managers to also encourage them to speak like you have to you have to tell your managers to do that like you can't just have them there you have to teach your managers how to approach that conversation have one-to-ones with them whatever it might take but allow that space to be made available to them so they can be confident enough to continue to speak and share and give their input and not feel like they can't participate yeah but inclusion is the important part yeah yeah i like i second that point so so much i'm i'm very lucky while like while we're still trying to get better i'm lucky that i work in a company where at least like a large amount of the company they really put an effort into trying to make people like myself feel included and feel like we're part of the i I know you shouldn't say your company's your family but (laughs) i'm trying to get out of that but like one thing that um we do here is someone in the chat corey actually he was earlier we have this cousins thing so the black erg in twilio has cousins and the way cousins works is your peer your free cousin as everyone in the black erg has free cousins and one of them is by like whatever like sort of department or team you're in so they try find someone else who's black in your team or in your department or does something similar so like mm-hmm. if you're a lawyer you'd be matched with another lawyer somewhere else or or something like that and then you get matched with someone by location so i'm also i've also i've got a cousin who's in my office so i have one cousin who basically does my job in the states and then i have another cousin who is in my office and then i have a random cousin who's a lawyer in new york and it's pretty cool to just know that so they encourage you to just get on like video chats and talk to them and call uh, and call them and speak to them but definitely one thing which i think is the biggest thing that i like i'm not saying we're perfect there's a lot of things we could do better but i have heard our ceo come out and tell us tell like during all hands go I have heard X, Y, Z stories. This is absolutely unacceptable. This is not who we are. And forcing that change from the top down, I think that's something that like companies need to do. CEOs need to go out and not have the marketing officer, not say it out in public, not say it on the earnings call or in some like flashy interview where like people in the public are gonna say it. Say it internally to the team. Cause knowing that you're CEO is there for you is a lot more like it makes you relax a lot more so definitely I'd love to see more companies coming out and not just doing a marketing exercise but really trying to make those people in power making their voices heard and 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 this kind of transitions into another point of like allies because 
a lot of times people who come from certain groups they may not have their voices heard and mm. how can someone be a good ally someone who's not necessarily from that group but wants to support maybe someone who's watching the stream who is not a black woman in tech but wants to support black women in tech what kinds of things do you think that they can do to help those around them connect with them i feel like like people are sometimes a bit too scared to like talk like it's okay like i don't fight i really don't <laughs> But like I think it's I think it's important to connect with us. Um, if you know about um, any um, organisations where they're supporting people of colour, whether it be like for example coding black females, or um, I'm trying to think of other. Um, I think in the US there's Trans for Hack. There's I can't think of any more on top of my head. Like Code for Us Girls. Like there's loads of like. Um, communities out there and organizations out there that are supporting particular groups of people in tech um i think there's even muslims muslims tech muslims tech girls i follow them on instagram today but i don't remember the full name but just support them there's no harm in just sending an email sending a dm and said hey i absolutely love what you do i would love to support you in any way that i can we love that you know we're not trying to isolate ourselves i think what it is is that we just want to connect with people that look like us but we also want your support also there's no we're not going to say to you oh you can't you know support us because because you ain't black or because you ain't muslim you ain't one of us no we're not going to do that we want the support so we if you believe in our cause we will happily have you as an ally um and i think it's just okay like to just reach out like reach out talk send an email arrange a skype call we're all at home so nah, a, a <laughs> thousand percent. i totally i totally get that like definitely reaching out and extending that hand i will, I will yeah. never forget one of my mentors um i remember meeting him and going to him like oh like you're amazing you inspire me da 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 like talking thank you so much and like he just like he, he waited 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 when i finished he said you see this you see exactly what you're feeling give it to someone else and i was just like ah you could not have dropped a better line in that moment just being able to take the privilege that you have and use it to lift someone else another group up to connect with someone to give them advice is definitely something i'd love to see more people doing and so i think we definitely just need in, in tech and I know we're sort of getting to, time is flowing by like we're getting like it's nearly six it really it's, has, it's nearly you know? 20 and I'm just like loving these questions but let's just take a side tour away from work right what do you enjoy doing in your free time I'm gonna ask this question twice what do you what did you enjoy in your free time pre-lockdown oh pre-lockdown oh my gosh do you know what I don't get out much <laughs> Uh, is it just like Netflix? And it's mad because there's a lot that I was like, oh, we're at home, okay. I've been doing this. <laughs> like, this is nothing new. Oh. You guys just are just joining me. Like, welcome. Welcome to my life. All right. So, like, what, are the, what are the tips? What do, because I'm not going to lie, I enjoy going outdoors. I've lost a big part of, big part of my social life. So, what is, what do I need to learn? What do I need? Do you know what like i just like I, I make sure that i take breaks i love to nap I'm, I'm, I'm a serial napper like you would catch me napping on a skype call actually no you wouldn't catch me napping on a skype call like i could yeah, never that, do I'm that i'm too so good for that like, no i could not do that 
that's because she's just seen someone like from work just jump in the chat she's no, like i don't but i know <laughs> <laughs> but, but i actually know someone that can nap on a skype call and she's hilarious but um no like i think for before lockdown things i was doing in my spare time i was traveling a lot work required me to travel a lot so i was always like going back and forth between belfast and london and it might be speaking or volunteering or just for whatever it was to do with work or doing an interview or something or an event um i loved networking i miss networking and i used to hate networking but i actually miss networking (laughs) um but um now post uh well now is it post post lockdown yeah um now i just enjoy investing in myself i started doing a nighttime skincare routine i feel so bougie i'm like (laughs) skincare i never used to do that before i used to just wash my face with soap and water bit of sheer butter and i was i was done and then now it's like i have this kind of therapy session and i started to meditate as well Mm. so i've really enjoyed that but I feel like now I have the time to do it. It's crazy what travel, like cutting out your travel time can do. Yeah, I know, totally. Like, so I enjoy going to the office. I, I, I can, everyone else on my team, apart from me, works from home. I'm the only one who makes the active decision to go to the office because I enjoy it in the office. However, there have been some benefits that I've realized from being at home. And I think a big mm. thing is like, I've already, I'd already taken like self-care quite important because I also travel a lot and burnout is real i've experienced yeah. it before and i don't want to experience it again so mm. like i've been trying to i've been investing more so i i did exercise but like now i'm being also doing a lot more like just stretching and like kind of relaxed stuff as well um just like i took a bubble bath the other day i'm not gonna lie i felt like oh this is nice this is nice just put jazz music on and just chill in the bubble yeah i i heard that if you put like if you if you have a nighttime bath and you put lavender oil in the bathtub it actually helps relaxes your muscles and helps you sleep easier i am going to write that down so (laughs) next time i will use lavender oil that's cool (laughs) chef brent also says epsom salts as well are really good for relaxing in a bath Mm -hmm. i've actually used epsom salts they they're good they're good yeah Oh, and they have Epsom salts with lavender. That's like, like yeah, that's both. what they said. Um, someone said, like, I, I watched like a video about all this stuff, and they were like, if you mix Epsom salts, lavender oil, and even like rose petals, like putting that in a bathtub is actually good for your mind and good. And then you can like put like candles. Oh wait, so rose petals? Like- I always thought that was just like a visual thing. It actually, no. I thought that was just like, oh, it's like the ro- you know, like the like stereotypical romantic thing, like. But yeah. it's actually, oh, it's actually a thing. It can actually be therapeutic. Oh. It's considered good for the mind. My so housemate's going to hate. If you're trying to set a vibe, like, maybe on, like, a Friday night, like, after a long week, you just set the bath up, put some candles around you, and just relax. And even, like, trying to, like, close your eyes for, like, 10 minutes and just relax a little bit. Try not to sleep, because that's not safe. And I don't really want no accidents, you know, still um that's crazy yeah give that a try that's very interesting i didn't i didn't know that the rose petals actually did something now i'm telling you my housemate's gonna hate me because they're gonna find a rose petal like somewhere that i've missed when i'm I'm cleaning up yeah no so i I definitely think that's that self-care is such an important part and i think it's something that unfortunately it's usually overlooked until a burnout or someone's come quite close to burning out 
Um, and I think that's something that like should definitely be avoid avoided. What what advice do you have for anyone for like in terms of self care? If you had to say this is what you should do or this is what you should not do, other than just having baths and your your evening nighttime skincare routine, what else? <laughs> Any just general so, advice? I'll say like if you if you are a bit outdoorsy, like make sure you're practicing so social distancing, but even going for a walk um going for a walk getting some fresh air um will actually be really good for you um i've i've started meditating i didn't used to do that before um but i downloaded an app um called meditation studio and i got it when google used to do those 10p flash sales they don't do that no more because they're too rich now but when they used to do it you know i got myself a little 10p meditation app and like you just download all these different um meditations they're either like 30 minutes long or five minutes long like about cultivating positivity or one to help you get ready for like to go to sleep and i've had that done i did one where i it's like a 15 minute meditation getting your body and mind ready for sleep and i conked out I conked out and I was like, it was like 15 minutes. I was just gone. And I woke up, I was like, wait, it's seven o'clock. <laughs> oh, I know. But um, yeah, meditation, no, I really do recommend med meditation. I it, was, it wasn't something that I used to do before. Like I thought it was a bit corny. Um, but now that I'm actually starting to do it, it actually really helps me. So I would recommend that the app Meditation Studio, yeah. definitely recommend it. I think though, like kind of what you've said has, done something has reminded me sorry or something like a sleep doctor actually once told me i was at a networking event and i met a sleep doctor and i spoke about how the fact that i travel a lot um and i find it hard to maintain like sleep hours because i'm just constantly in different time zones and one mm. really good piece of advice that he gave me he said come up with a nighttime routine uh, so i don't necessarily do skincare in it but like i have a, a specific playlist that I put on and like one hour before any if I say I want to go to bed at like 10 what at nine o'clock I have a rule every screen must be blue screen like I try to turn the screens off so I try not to be but if there is a screen it has to be blue screen um I don't use my light I use lamps so it's kind of got the dim glow I put this playlist on and then I need to write in my journal and read like even if it's just three pages of a book i need to read and then go then brush my teeth and go to bed and just that process is so helped me so much because once i start doing those things it's almost like my brain goes oh it's bedtime yep yeah, start getting sleepy yeah, getting ready exactly so definitely i definitely think that people who having a nighttime routine or whatever works for you i'm not gonna act like what works for me is gonna work for you but whatever works for you definitely figure out what do I need to take care of myself? Yeah. Like put something in place that you can look forward to. Like either at the beginning of the day or the end of the day, like even yeah. before you start your day, like, okay, you're having a shower, you're making your breakfast. Maybe you can make a fancy breakfast, do French toast or something. Like set yourself a goal, like where you're going to cook something extra fancy, like once a week or something. Give yourself something for your mind to look forward to. And I think that really helps. Like for me, I look forward to nighttime and look forward to my nighttime routine. And I, I get excited for, for it. Like, and then I get into bed, I'm like, oh, that was so nice. Even though I did the same thing that I did last night. <laughs> but I look forward to it. It's that thing that I look forward to. I turn off all of my screens. I turn off everything. I've got the do not disturb on on my phone with the blue light. And I just get my mind ready to just have my own time for myself. But um, 
yeah it works for everybody it might not be for you but i think that it's important to take care of yourself and your mind and um if you are someone that prays and believes in god like take care of yourself spiritually also um but invest time in you make sure you're doing that working from home you can feel like you're constantly thinking about work but have that time for yourself where you're not thinking about work you're just thinking about yourself yeah totally and i think it's, it's something that's so overlooked and it's something that as an industry we baby developers should really push to move towards making sure that there's good practices to take care of yourself as well exactly. as your code but <laughs> i'm gonna round up by saying thank you so much for coming on the show jennifer let's just remind people where can they find you if they want to like find out more about you and all the amazing things oh you do oh my gosh so instagram Twitter underscore Jennifer Opal, LinkedIn Jennifer Opal, <laughs> YouTube Jennifer Opal, my website jenniferopal.co. And if anyone knows anyone that's interested in learning to code, they can subscribe for newsletters. And I do send monthly um, guides to help them. So this month I sent out a DevOps guide. Nice. Um, next month we're going to do, I'm thinking on doing an augmented reality one because I've been getting into that recently. Just like curiosity, you know how ADD can be and like a guest on yeah. our show two weeks ago um april spate you should definitely check her out at vogan code i follow vogan code yeah oh yeah she was she was on the show yeah yeah she could definitely give you some tips oh. hey folks thanks for listening to this episode you can find me on Twitter at ChatterboxCoder. You can find Jennifer online on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jennifer Opal or on YouTube at her channel, Jennifer Opal. You can also watch the video recordings live and get access to extended content on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chatterboxcoder. Just a quick reminder to check out Twilio TV, especially the Twilio TV Unplugged series. I think they will be very useful to anyone looking for a job at this time. The link is in the description. Thank you so much for joining me and keep on building.